Lord has been doing great things. We happy to have Sister Tanker in the audience, in the congregation, I should say. She had her uh, scare yesterday, and uh, we, Brother Eddie and I was there in the hospital with her when we were been told that she had done broke her hip. The doctor come in, Brother Eddie prayed for her. The doctor come in, he said, she said, there's nothing on the x-ray. We're going to give you some medicine and send you on home. So we were excited. We were glorying in that for sure. We were glorying in that. Let's pray. We're going to go to Luke chapter 1. We're going to continue on in Luke. Uh, we're going to start in uh, probably verse 56, 57, right in there somewhere. And uh, we're going we're gonna to see today... Um, I want you to be thinking while we're while we're uh, while we're reading through this. We're only going to go about eight or nine verses, so we're not going to be long. But uh, I want you to be thinking today as we look at Luke. As we look at Luke, we're going to go back to the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Um, and what we're going to see today is that God's word, God's word is going to demand a response from you. God's word is going to demand a response, and you are going to respond. You may say, you know, not today. You may say, I don't know. Um, yeah, well, you know, I, I got things I need to work out for. That is a response. You are going to respond. When you leave here today, you will have made a response. And so we need to weigh carefully what that response is. So let's pray and we'll ask God to bless our time together before we go to our, his reading of his word. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you today. We, we have so much to be grateful for. Thank you for Sister Tinker. Thank you for the news that you've given her, Lord. Thank you for uh, us able to rejoice with her. God, we, we ask that you would be with us today, Father, as the word goes forth, as we, as we go to, uh, to read your holy inspired word. We pray that you would uh, send your spirit, Lord, just to, uh, just to fill this place in such a way that the words jump off the page and they really affect our hearts, God. They change us from who we are when we walked in, who we were when we walked in, to, to who you want us to be, God. We're looking forward to being changed by your word today. God, help us to see the gravity of what it means to respond to your word, what it means to uh, give ear and be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. We ask, Father, that you would bless us today in Sunday school, bless us today in the 1030 services. We are coming together to celebrate what you've done in this community, in this congregation, Father, in bringing us together and, uh, and uh, minister into our hearts through the, through the ministry of Christ Church. We, we thank you and we come and we don't, we don't take that lightly. We come to, uh, to celebrate that and to glorify your name in, in the midst of all that. And we thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the one thing you can be sure of, and you all know this, this is not anything new, is that God is going to keep his word. He's going to keep his word no matter what, it, no matter what that promise is to you. No matter what that promise is, we re- if you read it in Scripture, it's a promise, it's a uh, command, it's a, a warning, whatever it may be. If God speaks it, if God has inspired in His Word, if He speaks it to you, it's going to come to pass. It's going to happen. And so how we respond, I don't want you to think that I'm saying, you know, we need to respond favorably so favorable things will happen to us. You know, uh, sometimes that is the case. But God's Word is, is fast in the heavens. It is unchangeable. It's forever. It will always be. And so when God says something, when he says thou shalt not, when he says this is what I want for you, he says this is who you are in Christ. He says this is what I promised you. Those things will come to pass 100% of the time. If God says uh, I will supply your every need according to his riches and glory. And here's a hint. He did say that. 
Uh, when he says that, then it'll come to pass. It, it'll absolutely happen. May not be the way you want it. May not be the way in your timing. May not be the way that you need it or you think you need it. But it'll always come to pass, and God will supply you every need according to His riches and glory. Y'all agree with that? Okay. Well, that's a good starting point. All right. So God's word is always going to come to pass. That also means that the warnings God has given you. If, if you do not respond the way God has commanded us to respond, those will also come to pass. And we know what those warnings are. We don't have to go, we don't have to go into it. And so we will go into it, but we don't have to right now. Uh, in in uh, Luke chapter 1, we're going to continue on. And the question I want you to ask yourself, the, what I want you to be thinking while we're looking at, at uh, actually the, the birth of John the Baptist from uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, is uh, how have I responded? You know, God has, God has given us his word. He's given you the gospel. You being here at Christ Church, at least we, we know that you've heard the gospel over and over again. You know exactly who you are in Christ. You know what God has commanded you to do, who you're supposed to be. How have you responded? Have you even responded to the gospel? God says it's a command. It's also an invitation, but it's a command. Repent and believe the gospel. Uh, that is a command from God. It is a word from the Lord. It is infallible word. And so you and I have a duty to respond to that word. <clears throat> and there's no such thing as not responding. When you say, you know what, give it time. I'll wait. That's a response. When you say, you know what, forget that. I don't want any part of that. That's a response. When you come humbly and say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. That is a response. You are going to respond. You are going to respond in one way or another every time the word of God comes to you. And today, as we read the text, the word of God is going to come to you and you're going to walk out of here. No matter if you're playing on your phone or you're playing on your video game or or you're not paying attention or you could care less, even if that's you. And I don't see nobody doing that. I'm just saying, even if that's you. You will have made a response when you walk out. Even if you don't listen to a word that I say or a word that I read, you will have made a response. You're going to respond today to God's word. If you're going to be with us in 1030 service, and I hope you are, Brother Eddie's going to be preaching and uh, a word that, that God has given him this week. And whatever it is that God has for us in the 1030 service, when you walk out of the doors, you are going to have made a response to God's word. And so what I want to show you today in this text is the response that they make to God's word, the God's word. Look, we'll see it as we as we uh, as we uh, walk through the text. Uh, we're going back to the context here of of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Let me just refresh your memory. Last time we talked about Mary, it's kind of bouncing back and forth between Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were John the Baptist's parents, and Mary, who, of course, is Jesus' mother. And it's showing us, it's go bouncing back and forth between those two birth narratives. And so last time we saw Mary's song. The, we saw Mary praising God for what God had done for her and what God was doing in her. Well, this time as we move, we're going to move back to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And in this, the intervening period, nine months have passed. And so she is about to, she's about to have the baby. She's about to have uh, John the Baptist. They're going to name, they're going to name the baby John. And so if you remember what happened, if you weren't here when we talked about it, it's probably two weeks ago. Um, what happened was Zechariah was a priest in the temple and he was ministering in the temple. He was uh, in the, in the very 
inner courts of the temple right before the veil. He wasn't behind the veil, but he was right in front of it in this really most holy place. He was burning incense. The angel Gabriel appeared to him. And this was the first time God had spoken to his people uh, other than the, uh, the prophets of old uh, in three or four hundred years. And God sent Gabriel to announce that this is the time. The Messiah is coming. The promises are going to be fulfilled. And it was so amazing. He said, you are going to have a child. And Zechariah and Elizabeth were elderly. They were elderly and Elizabeth was barren. And so they had been praying their whole lives for a child and they had received none. They had received no children. And the angel said to Zechariah, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. You are going to have a child and you're going to name him John. And if you remember when we when we walked through that passage, Zechariah didn't believe the angel. He said, how do I know that this is going to happen? And so what Gabriel did was instead of giving him a sign, giving him assurance, what he said was, you're going to be dumb, dumb, mute. You're going to be mute until that promise comes to pass. Until all is fulfilled, you're going to be mute. So remember, Zechariah came out of the temple and he was trying to do charades to tell the people what happened. And uh, he and Elizabeth went back to their to their home. And then the, the scene switches and we talked about Mary. So now we're coming back to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And what we're going to see is nine months later, God fulfilled his word. In verse 56, it says, and Mary abode, this is the end of Mary's song. It says, Mary abode with her, that's Elizabeth, about three months. Now, remember, if we go back into chapter, it says when uh, Gabriel came to Mary, Elizabeth was already six months pregnant. And so if a Mary abode with her for three more months, it lends me to believe that she stayed until John was born. She stayed until the baby was born. And so it says Mary abode with her about three months and then returned to her own house. Now, Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered and she brought forth a son. Now, you can see God's word is certain. Now, you and I know the story. I mean, we knew from the time that we saw Gabriel in the temple telling Zechariah, hey, you're going to have a son and you're going to name him John and he's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. He's going to be a prophet. You and I knew when we read that text way back when she really is going to have a son and he really is going to be named John. And we already knew all that John the Baptist was going to do. And so really, it's kind of a no brainer. We read past that. Okay, yes, she had a son. But put yourself in Elizabeth's Spot. Now, remember, Elizabeth is an elderly lady. She's she's probably in the 70, 80 range and she's about, she's having a baby. Not only is she an elderly lady, she is has been barren her whole life. She's been unable to have children. Of course, you know, they were praying for children all this time. And matter of fact, we talked about one time where they, they probably had given up. I don't know about you, but if you hadn't had a child and you turned 70, you probably done gave up. You know what I mean? You probably done said, OK, uh, it's obvious I'm not going to have a child. And so not only I mean, we know that it happened. We know that it was going to happen. We know that it was going to be fulfilled because we know the story. But if you're Elizabeth, how would you feel during that nine month pregnancy? I mean, you would be worried. You would be anxious. You would be, you know, is this really going to happen? I remember when Dana had Sophie, uh, Dana got pregnant with Sophie when she was 35. And when you're 35, I I guess that's the cutoff point. They make you go to see all these special doctors. You know, you can't just go to the regular doctor. You got to go to the special doctor, you know, whatever. I guess 35 is too old to be having kids. I don't know. But everything was fine. And so that we had to go to these these special deals 
for her to, you know, get checked out and all this. And so that was 35 years old. Here is a lady that's, she's an elderly lady. She says, the Bible says she was stricken in age, which means she was old. She was an old lady. And you can imagine there are no special doctors there to go to in, the, in, the, in that day in the first century. So you can imagine all the problems. You know the, the problems, the anxieties, the worries that you have just in a regular pregnancy. You can imagine this old lady that had been barren her whole life, all of a sudden is pregnant. You can imagine the things that, that were going through her mind, worries, the fears, the anxieties, all those. So now she finally gives birth to John and he's born. She is probably relieved. Yes. I mean, we know that we know that God made a promise. I'm going to have a son. His name is John. We're going to name him John. Uh, you know that it's going to happen. I mean, we kind of read over that and we, we say, you know, of course he's going to have a baby. That's what he said. That's what happened. But it, when you're actually holding the baby in your arms, you know, God has fulfilled his word. It's one thing for me to stand up here. When I started, I said, God is going to fulfill his word to you. Whatever he, whatever he said in his word is going to come to pass in your life. And we can all say, amen. We can all say, yes, that's true. And be honest with you. We probably all believe that with all our heart, but it's different when it's you waiting on the promise to come to happen to you. It's different when all of the, all of the fears and anxieties, all of the, the flesh and the world and the devil's whispering in your ear saying, you know what? It's not going to happen for you. It, something's going to go wrong. It's different when it's you that are cry, that is crying out to God saying, God, please let this happen. God, please help me in this. And you can say, well, I know he's made me a promise and we trust that promise, but it's different when it actually comes to pass in your life, isn't it? And so when Elizabeth has this baby, here he is. The promise of God, the word of God has come and it has been fulfilled in her life. I can imagine, just imagine the joy and the the excitement that she has knowing that God has promised her miraculously this baby, this baby that would not only just be a baby that's a joy for her to be a mother, but he would be the forerunner of the Messiah. The promises of God are being fulfilled. The right now is the time when God, all of God's promises in the Old Testament are coming to pass. It would probably be a it would probably be just a time of absolute joy and just uh, excitement. You probably can't even, you, you can't even imagine, imagine what it means to her. God has kept his word. Understand, God has kept his word to you as well. God will keep his word to you as well. Like I said at the very beginning, if he said, I'll supply your every need, he will supply your every need. If he says, that no weapon form can come against you and prosper, then no weapon form. If he says that I'm working all things for good for those who love God and those who are the called according to his purpose, you can take that to the bank. Now, it's, it's different when it's you. I understand that. You have to get yourself ready now. Uh, I say this all the time. There, uh, when, when tragedy strikes, at, like at the hospital, and they call a chaplain, and we need somebody to come, and pr- that's not the time for me to come in and say, well, hey, don't worry. Everything's working out for your good. It's going to be fine. That's not the time to do that. You and I have to get that into our brains now. We have to get it into our soul now. We have to build the foundation of our life on that truth. So when tragedy does strike, so when things unforeseen do come into our lives, 
We still grieve. We still do the things that everybody else does. But we have a foundation built that God is with us. His word is for us. And he told us that nothing will come into our lives that does not pass through his hands first. And so Elizabeth, Elizabeth is absolutely, she's probably ecstatic. She is probably excited. Everything that she'd been praying for her whole life has now come true. It has come to pass. God has done it for her. And so what we're going to do is I want to show you the responses, the two responses that are possible here, but Zachariah and Elizabeth, and we won't be long. They could respond like so many people do. Once they have been blessed, once they have received what God has promised, they could just go back to business as usual. Just go back to normal. You know, just go back to the way life was. Don't worry about it. Or they could respond in obedience and faith. And of course, you probably know which one is the way we should respond. People all the time, we're going to see these two, these two responses over and over again within the people that come to church. You're going to have, you're going to have people that, you know, we, we know the gospel. We know the story. We know Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We know that he lived a perfect life. He did miracles. He demonstrated that he was the son of God. He died on the cross of Calvary. And three days later, he rose again from the dead. And because he rose, you and I have life. We have, uh, we have eternal life. We have reconciliation with God because of who he is and what he has done for us. And that truth That proposition demands a response and your response has to be faith. That's the response. You respond by repenting of your sin and trusting in Christ. And then God has given us a command to follow him, to be a disciple, not only to be a disciple, but to be a disciple maker. It says to go into the world and and teach them. Teach them everything I've commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You've been given promises. You've also been given commands. How? I'm not going to ask you today, how should you respond? You know how you should respond. We all know how we should respond. What I want to ask you today, what I want you to ask yourself today is how have I responded? How have I responded to the gospel? In the first place. And how have I responded to the commands of God that he has given over my life as a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God in the gospel? So what we're going to see is two different two different ways that you can respond. There are probably others. You could just reject it outright. But the two we're going to look at today are one. You can just let it go. Let your life go right back to normal. You see it over and over again. People come to the gospel. They come or they come to they come right up to the gospel, we'll say. And they come, you know, here or there or, or some other place. And they'll 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 be they'll be steadfast for a little while. But after a time, life gets back to normal. They go back to business as usual. God blesses them. You've seen it over and over again. I can remember, I can remember, I tell this story all the time. I can remember people that have come with act, with absolute, I mean, real needs. Not talking about, oh, I need, you know, somebody, you know, I need somebody to help me. I'm talking about absolutely real needs that come and they are seeking prayer for their needs and God will come through for them and it won't be just too long. Business as usual, back to normal. As if God had never done anything for them. Has God blessed you today? And so, and so what we see here is these two responses. Let's read in verse 58, 59. This is what happened. Elizabeth had this baby 
And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord showed great mercy upon her and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. Do you remember what the angel commanded? And if you go back to verse 13, you don't have to turn there. In verse 13 of chapter 1, the angel told Zechariah, you're going to have a son. And he said, and you shall call his name John. That's a thou shalt. That's not just a, you know, probably a good idea. You might want to name it. You might want to name him John. It's just like thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt call his, is a command. You will call his name John. Well, here come these family, this family, these relatives, they come knocking on the door. And this was not uncommon. They would all come in and it was just a, a celebration of a baby being born, a celebration of a family. But these people already called him Zachariah. It was just a, it was just a given that, you know, the firstborn, it was the tradition, the firstborn son of a family would take the name of the father or he would take the name of a family member, an ancestor, someone that was close, a family name. The firstborn son would, and then the rest of the sons would, or the daughters would be, just be named whatever the parents decided. And so they were already assuming this firstborn son, Zechariah and Elizabeth, we'll just call him Zechariah. Of course his name's going to be Zechariah. Are you kidding and so they came, they came already thinking this is what his name was going to be. And so the temptation is, the temptation for Elizabeth would be, should I just go with the tradition? Should I go with what's, you know, this is, she's an older lady. She's barren up until now. This is probably the only child she's ever going to have. That means that if Zachariah's name, if the family name is going to continue on, he's going to have to be named Zachariah. If, if we're going to, we're probably not going to have any more because we're elderly and this one's kind of a miracle baby anyway. God, if our family name is going to continue, if we're going to continue this line, then we probably have to name him Zachariah. That was the temptation. Now, remember, Elizabeth had, had been nine months in anxiety, nine months with just regular worries of pregnancy. Also, nine months of, you know, uh, of worry about what was going on. And this miracle baby that she had, it wasn't a secret. It wasn't hidden. Do you see what the people were rejoicing over? It says, and her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her. And they rejoiced with her. It wasn't just, woo, Elizabeth's having a baby. Let's go on over. No, no. They could see it. Everybody could see Elizabeth is not supposed to be having a baby. She's an old lady. She's been barren her whole life. Her friends, her neighbors, her cousins, they knew they had been praying their whole life for a child. They, they knew that this was going on and they recognized that because she had gotten pregnant, because she was, had now delivered a baby, they were rejoicing with her because the Lord had showed mercy. They could see the work of the Lord on her life. It wasn't just, it wasn't just, hey, let's go celebrate. They had a baby. Let's go over there and, you know, they're going to, they're going to circumcise the baby eight days after it's born. Let's go do the deal. They were rejoicing because the Lord had showed mercy. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. Everybody can see 
the work of the Lord. You can see the work of the Lord in your life. Your neighbors can see the work. Even if they don't know the Lord, they can see his hand upon you. I think about Tinker in the hospital yesterday. I promise you, her family is going to be able to see the work of the Lord. When one doctor looks at an x-ray and says, hey, your hip is broken. And then not two hours later, she gets to the hospital and the doctor looks at her x-ray and says, I don't know what he's talking about. It's not broken. And so they're going to be able to see. They're going to be able to see. And of course, we give God the glory for that. And she's going to give God the glory for that. And that's going to be a testimony to her family and to what he's done. And so everybody, lost, saved or indifferent, can see the work of God all throughout our lives, all throughout creation. We can see the work of God. It's not hidden. It's not secret. They knew, they knew that Elizabeth and Zechariah had probably had given up having a baby. And all of a sudden, the Lord showed mercy. The Lord showed mercy upon them. So they knew it, but it was tradition. He's going to be named Zechariah. Of course, the Zechariah senior is mute, so he's not speaking right now. And so they were just assuming Now, what is she going to do? Is she going to go with the crowd? Is she going to go and she going to do what they think is right? Is she going to do probably what's best for her family? Have you ever heard that before? I have. Someone says, I know that this is not right. I know that God wouldn't want me to do this, but this is what I need to do for my family. This is how we have to. I mean, we don't have any other option. That could be the way Elizabeth's thinking. Now, you know, of course, that's not going to happen. You know that Elizabeth's going to name the baby John. She says... She says, and his mother answered, verse 60, not so. She basically says, no, that's not going to happen. But he shall be called John. Now, let me ask you a question. If Elizabeth, it doesn't say this and we know that it didn't happen. But if Elizabeth and Zachariah had chosen to let life just go back to normal, to do what's best for their family, to just, you know, just name him what they say to name him and don't, don't worry about it. That's going to be the best thing. That's what we're supposed to do. What would you say? What would we say reading this story 2000 years later? We would say, are you insane? Are you crazy? How could you defy God like that when it was so obvious? Gabriel appeared to you. God sent an angel to tell you you're going to have a baby And God told you what to do and name the baby John. He told you who the baby's going to be, the forerunner to the Messiah. Are you out of your mind? How could you defy God's command that way? How could you let life go back to normal after God has so blessed you? That's what we would say. We read the story and we know that's not going to happen. We know he is going to be John the Baptist and he will make the, the way straight for the Lord to come. But we would say, you're insane. How could you do? What kind of person would Elizabeth and Zechariah, were they? they? They had to have been absolutely out of their minds. But we do it all the time. God has given us his word. He's given us his command. He's given us promises. We can just take a simple one about assembling with each other, about investing your life in each other, about loving one another, about about coming together as a body. And what do we do? Oh, when we're in need and God comes in in miraculous power and 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 fixes our need or ministers to our need, we're all about it. Oh, yeah, I've got to go today. God did something for me yesterday. But when things when things get back to normal It's like, well, I don't have to worry about it today, do I? I'm tired. 
Or when God, you know, when, when you are seeking God for something, it's all about, we're all about praying. We're all about reading the Bible. We're all about seeking after God, just trying to get closer to him. But when everything's rocking along, everything's comfortable, we don't have no worries, don't have any fears, don't have anything pressing in our life. What happens? Life just gets back to normal. Back to the things that back to the things that we do, you know, and if we looked at Elizabeth and Zechariah here, we would say you are absolutely out of your mind if you disobey the command that God gave you to name this baby. But yet we're absolutely out of our mind when we forget what God has done for us. When we get what God has done for us in the gospel, what we forget, we forget what God has done for us in our own lives. You and I, we're blessed. We have been blessed. We've been, we could go through each person and we could count the blessings that God has rained down upon us. And it's so easy. You say, you know what? I would never do that. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Your heart's wicked, just like mine. And it's easy. It's easy to do. But Elizabeth says, no, of course she did. We know the story. We read through this and we say, well, duh, of course she did. She's going to say no. But think about what would have happened. What could have happened if she said, no, okay, we'll name him Zechariah. You're right. We got to, we got to get our family name. It's got to, it's got to keep on going. We got to do that. So let's do that. She says, no, his name is going to be John. She responded with obedience, obedience to the command of God. God gave her command. Thou shalt call his name John. And she obeyed that command rather than letting life get back to normal. Now, this, you might think, well, okay, that's naming a baby. That's really not that big a deal. But it was a big deal in that day. It was a big deal. It was a big deal to break tradition. It was a big deal. Let me show you how big of a deal it was. When she says, no, we are not going to name this baby Zachariah. We're going to name him John. And the reason why, of course, we know in verse 13, God told her, you will name this baby John. So what they do is they think, well, Elizabeth's done lost her mind. That's just crazy. We can't, uh, we can't name him John. So they go over her head. We're going to go talk to the husband and we're going to get this straight right now. This is a big deal and we're not going to let Elizabeth mess it up. It says, and they said unto her, there is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. You can't just name him. He's your firstborn son. You've got to name him after your family. You've got to name him after someone that's in your family. It says, and they made signs to his father how he would have him called. They went over Elizabeth's head. They said, you know what? <laughs> it's crazy. Like, you know how women are when they're having babies anyway. They're all crazy. We, we're just going to forget. We're going to forget all that. We're, let's just go talk to the husband. He'll, he'll understand because it's his name that's getting carried on. Now, it, there, I got to confess, there's something that I, I never understood why they make signs to Zechariah. I mean, he's not deaf. He, he's mute. So it just, it just, uh, I think it's just, they must be crazy. I mean, you ever, you ever met that guy that if, you know, if a guy's mute, they'll come up. Or if a guy speaks a different language, you think like talking louder and slower is going to help. It's like, dude, you know, he, he don't speak English. You know, you could talk as slow and loud as you want. It's not going to help. They, they go saying, do you want the baby to, you know? And of course, Zechariah says, and his mouth, and he asked, he asked for a writing tablet, verse 63, and he wrote saying, his name is John. And they marveled and they marveled all. Now, I love the way he puts that. You hear how Elizabeth, Elizabeth didn't do anything wrong, but she said, no, we're going to call his name John. His name shall be called John. And Zechariah, 
He didn't say, we're going to call him John. No, we, we're, God, he didn't even say God told us to call him John, so we're going to. He said his name is John. John is his name, is what he said. John is his, it's almost like the decision has already been made. The decision was made back when God gave the command. There's no thinking about it. There's no discussing it. There's no need of y'all. You know how family is. They're crazy anyway. There's no need of y'all coming around me, trying to convince me, whatever. It's a done deal. It's a fact. It's already happened. God commanded it. Therefore, it is done. His name. It's not my duty to say, oh, well, let's see. Should I name him Zechariah? Should I name him John? He says his name is John. It's always John. It was John when Gabriel said the God has commanded you to name him John. God's command for Zechariah. Zechariah, God's command for Zechariah is a fact. He says, there's no thinking about it. His name is John. He responds with obedience. He responds with obedience to the command. And that's how we must respond. That's how we must respond to the word of God. It's how we must respond to the spirit of God as it moves in our hearts and it takes this world word and it makes it makes it alive in us. That's how faith responds. Now, I want to show you this one last thing. The fact that Zechariah and Elizabeth responded in obedience is evidence that they believed. So I'm not just telling you, hey, you guys go out there and do better. You better obey or God's going to zap you. I'm saying examine how you have responded to the word of God. And that is the measuring stick of the faith that you have in the gospel. The faith that you have in God. Let me explain what I mean and then we'll go. It says, he said his name is John and they all marveled. And this is amazing to me. Verse 64 says, and his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed and he spake and praised God. I've read that so many times. I know y'all have read that before too, but it never dawned on me that he couldn't speak. This is eight days after the baby's born. He's still mute. Can you imagine what, I don't know about, I know what I'd be thinking. The angel said, that you will be able to speak. He says, you're going to be mute. You're going to be not able to speak until these things are fulfilled. And so the baby's born. I still can't speak. And then the first day, the next day after that baby, okay, the baby's here and he's crying and we're feeding him and okay. I still can't speak. Then the second day, my voice hadn't come back. Am I ever going to be able to speak again? You know how impatient we are. We're like, okay, come on, it's fulfilled. Here he is. The baby's here. The baby is, I mean, God's promise has been fulfilled. The forerunner of the Messiah has come. God's promise is right at the cusp and I still can't talk. Third day, fourth day, fifth day. If I, I don't know about you, but if it was me, I'm thinking maybe my unbelief has Curse me and God's never going to remove this from me. The sixth day, still can't speak. People are, are in, the, in the community are knowing that we've had a baby. They're knowing that, that this was the miraculous mercy of God. That's what it said. The family was rejoicing because of the mercy of God. Still can't speak. Still can't talk. Seventh day. Okay, it's been a week. The eighth day, here come the family. They come on the eighth day, babies were circumcised. And so they come to circumcise the baby. They come to do all these things and, and rejoice over all this. Still can't speak. 
Zechariah's tongue wasn't loose until he named, until he said, this, is ba- this baby is going to be named John. Now, I want to show you this. His obedience to name the baby John, it had to come from a heart of faith. Because his mouth wasn't open yet. If, I, if it was me, and I'm, I'm using a lot of imagination here, I'm just putting myself in Zechariah's position. If it was me, I would be thinking, God, you hadn't fulfilled your pro- you hadn't fulfilled your word. You you said I was going to be my tongue was going to be loosed, and here's the baby right here. Where the miraculous has come and the promise is done. If it was me, I would be saying, Hey, you know what? You didn't fulfill your end of the bargain. I still can't speak, so I'm gonna name him whatever I want to name. That's not what he did. He believed his unbelief is what got him mute in the first place, and so he believed. In, Christ, in God, and he obeyed that command, even if his tongue wasn't ever going to be loosed again. I, I'm using a lot of imagination, but I see that in the text. That would be me. I would be, I don't know about y'all, but I'm kind of an impatient guy. I want, you know, I, I want it now. You know, I, I, want, I want this resolved now. I want it fixed now. I can't imagine going nine months without speaking. I know some of y'all probably like that, but I couldn't go nine. I mean, you, you try it. Try it just for a couple of hours today. After you leave, after fellowship meal, go home, whatever. Just go a couple of hours without saying anything. Without saying anything to anybody at all. It's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. And so it was his faith. It was his heart, the heart of belief that, that caused him to respond in obedience. And so what that did was... That did was Zechariah was, he was a doer of the word. He wasn't just a hearer of the word only. He was a doer of the word. Last thing we'll look at and we'll leave. It says, and when he opened his mouth, what was the first thing that came out? He spoke and he praised God. He praised God. Now, his words in praising God is what we'll, we'll probably look at next week if we have early service on Easter. But uh, his, his words are recorded for us. Um, Verse 70 to the rest of the end of the chapter. It's uh, it's his praise of God, his praise. Um, But that was the first thing he said when he opened his mouth. And those sayings, verse 66 or verse 65, fear came on all them that dwelt round about. And all these sayings, the sayings of him praising God, what we're going to read at the end of the chapter. They were noised abroad through the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid upon laid them in their hearts saying, what manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. So understand, we see the response that Zechariah and Elizabeth made to the word of God that was given to them was faith. And that faith resulted in obedience. That's what faith always results in. The man who says, look, the man who says he loves his wife and he beats her every day, you know that he doesn't really love his wife. His actions show what's in his heart. One time, I, I tell this story all the time, but when, in a youth class, uh, before I used to bring them snacks and stuff like that, I brought one of those big king-size Snicker bars, and I put it up on the desk. I put it up on the table, and I said, I have one Snicker bar here for whoever can get it, whoever wants it. I said, but you need to understand, I've been doing, I've been doing these, you know, um, experiments with the whatever, and I've injected this Snicker bar with 
with poison. Uh, I'm going to put it around my house. I, I've done three or four of them. I put them around the house to kill the rats and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so you can have it if you want to, but really it's going to kill you if you eat it. I said, so anybody who wants a Snickered bar, you just have at it. And the room exploded in movement. They all was jumping over each other, climbing over each other, trying to get it. And this one girl, it was Christine Slayton. She, she grabbed the Snicker bar before anybody else. And I have never seen somebody eat a Snicker bar so fast. It was like, it was like a dog thinking that somebody was going to get his food. She pulled that thing down like a banana, like peeling a banana and shoved the whole thing in her mouth. It was sticking out about this far. And I can say with absolute certainty, you did not believe me when I told you that would kill you. I can't see your heart. I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know what's in your mind. I don't read minds. But I can tell by your actions, if you really thought that that snicker bar was going to kill you, you would have never put it in your mouth. And so the evidence of our faith comes out in our life. It comes out in our obedience. The evidence of Zechariah and Elizabeth's faith was that they obeyed even when it was unsure that they would reap the reward. Zechariah didn't know if he would ever have his tongue loosed, but he named the baby. He obeyed the command that God has given. How have you responded to the gospel? How have you responded to the promises and the warnings of God? God has made promises to you in the past, I'm sure, and he's always fulfilled his promise. May not be the way that you wanted, may not be the way that you like, but he's always done it. God has made promises to you for the future. God has made promises in his word. He's made promises to us that he is going to raise us from the dead if we repent of our sin and trust in him. How have you responded to those promises? Salvation itself is the greatest promise that you could possibly receive from the Lord, that he would take your heart, your stony heart that hates God, and he would remove that heart and he would replace it with a heart that loves God and wants to seek God. Have you responded with faith that results in obedience or has life just got back to normal for you? Has it just got back to normal? Has it has the newness weared off? You know, you hate that when you get a new truck new car, new whatever, and it's just new and it smells new. And you know what? We all make that, we all make that promise. I'm not, this, this one right here is going to stay clean. I'm going to keep this one clean. Um, Jesse said that yesterday was Jesse's birthday. We took him out to eat. He looked around in my new truck. He said, I thought he was going to keep this thing clean. I said, shut up. <laughs> the newness done wore off. Everything just went back to normal, back to, back to the way it was. Here's a good way to gauge it as we leave. This is the last thing we're going to say and we're going if you're a believer, I don't know who in here is saved. I don't know who in here is lost. But if you're saved, if you've been, if you trusted Christ, God has given you a command. The last thing Jesus said, the last thing he wanted you to know before he ascended into heaven was to go ye therefore and make disciples. Teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Holy Spirit, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teaching them everything that I've commanded. Are you involved in the kingdom of God? Are you involved in making disciples? I know we're still being made into disciples. But that's a command for the entire church. That's not just for the preacher. That's not just for the Sunday school teacher. That's for everybody. You are commanded 
to be making disciples. You are commanded to be a living witness, a testimony. You are commanded not only to grow as a disciple, but to be making other disciples. That involves leading people to Christ. It also involves involving yourself in the growth of other believers that are coming up behind you. Are you involved at all? That's the, I don't know if any of y'all have had relatives that have passed away that gave you some of their last words. I've gotten to hear quite a few people's last words in the last three or four years. They're not talking about the weather. The last thing they have to tell you is important. They want to make sure that they get those, whatever it is, they choose their words carefully when they know they're going to be their last words or close to their last words. The last words Jesus spoke as he was here physically on the earth before he ascended into heaven was a command given us to make disciples. Are you, are you making disciples? Are you involved in the life of believers at all? Are you involved in the life of the church as it goes forth making disciples? Or has life just got back to normal? You know, you got saved and it was exciting. You were ready to take on the world for Christ. And then life just got back to normal. It just went back to being the way it was. And now it's pretty much the way we are. Is that faith? Is that obedience? The greatest thing you need to under, the greatest thing you need to examine today is whether you be of the faith or not. I'm not saying, oh, you're not a good Christian if you're not obeying perfectly and you're not. I'm saying examine your heart whether you be in the faith or not. You need to examine whether you're trusting in Christ alone for salvation or not. You need to examine whether you have submitted yourself to the Lordship of Christ because this is the only promise that's going to save you when you will need to be saved. At that day, when you, when you stand before him, he alone is the one who gives salvation. And how we respond to that word, it could determine where we spend eternity. So many people you've heard just in the last week, car crashes, different things go on, stepped out into eternity. How they responded to the word that they received determines where they I don't know who they, I don't know I don't know them from Adam so they could have been the greatest Christian in the world but they had to have responded in obedience and faith repent and believe the gospel father we love you and we thank you for your word we thank you for the